I is, got how much so of the movie Dune is just like like vaginas and penises, but as aliens? So I've always just imagined Dune is like the, uh, you know, the part in Beetlejuice with that big uh, snake in the desert. You're not far off. Just that for a whole three hours. <laughs> <laughs> Which kind of sounds okay. like it would own, actually. Like they're, they're, just a bunch of weird, like slimy, wrinkly things in that movie, right? Mm-hmm. It's like going yeah. to uh, a GOP convention. I'm gonna send. <laughs> so, guys, I know we've been podcasting for quite a bit, and I I just want to tell you guys that I I know we've come a long way, and we're changing day to day. <laughs> but tell me, where did the <laughs> children play? <laughs> All right, let's get started. God bless America. <laughs> Where did the children play? Play. (laughs) Someone's just shaking him when he sings every song. Welcome back to another episode of a free podcast, and we are continuing our season one theme of Fail Sons, and today we are talking about the 1971 cult film, Harold and Maude. I am your co-host, Rob, and joined as always by my good friends, Joe and Duff. Well, hello. Hey, hey. So guys, Harold and Maude, uh, I, th- I think, I don't want to, I don't want to prejudge our listeners, but I could see this being a movie people might not uh, know of. Yeah, I don't. Only if they're if they're well adjusted, then maybe not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This this has always been a cult film, and I'm not sure if it's carried on to the next generation. Joe, you're a teacher. You should ask your kids tomorrow. Mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to them. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. I uh, no, I don't. I I mean, it's still yeah, it's a cult film. It still has a it still gets new audiences all the time, and I mean it's they still pump money into new releases of it and stuff. I yeah. it played it played at the, the well my the, my local movie theater is doing a Hal Ashby retrospective, so it played uh, I think a week ago or so. And yeah. Criterion so, put it out a few years ago, so like yeah. it's still there's money. I mean, if if Criterion's gonna put money into it, then I'm sure that yeah. people are still new people are still finding it. I think I mentioned this uh, last time, but this was the movie that, like, the weird kids in high school always were like, oh, my favorite movie is Harold and Maude, and then they made you watch it, and that's yeah. how I saw it. Good. I I learned about it, and I think I mentioned this, and there's something about Mary. I think Mary says this is, like, the best love story ever, <laughs> which uh, is interesting. Uh, so that, let's just, like, that quickly... That is a take. Let's quickly, you know... Uh, summarize I, this uh, i want rob to summarize this movie <laughs> i you guys didn't I, like my summary i know but i i like, i, I want to hear rob's uh the words he uses to summarize this probably gonna uh, cause issues that we'll have to edit yeah i don't want to i don't want to turn off our listeners we might have people who really love this movie that were like oh i want to hear people talk about harold and mod but uh pretty much just rich uh loser kid uh <laughs> Uh, doesn't speak. Okay, and hold then, on. I'm already uh, going to stop yeah. you right there. I'm already going to stop you right there. He's like, what, 21? 18. Okay, this 18. Was a, so okay. this was actually a what question were you I had. Doing, what were you doing when you were 23? And I'm in the uh, same boat. You, like, how can you call him a loser? Okay. 
Well, I mean, his he doesn't. His one hobby is going to funerals and pretending he's killing himself. How is that? <laughs> yeah, it's funny. At least he has a hobby. At least he goes well, outside. Just for funerals, <laughs> Joe. Yeah. Okay, we're we're already let's, let's losing. Let's get this summary. I'm upset already. I know. I know. God, I knew you were gonna make me mad. Let's stick one. with a recap. I, yep. All right. Yeah. yeah summarize the movie, or I'm gonna do it. All right. Uh, I'll 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 do it. I'll do it without judgment. Rich kid, obsessed with death. He tries to. Uh, he kind of fakes suicides over and over again in front of his mom. He goes. <laughs> he goes to funerals a lot. He meets a seventy. The kid's eighteen. He meets a seventy-nine-year-old woman who also goes to funerals a lot, and then they start a friendship, which by the end blossoms into a romantic relationship. And they have hijinks. There are hijinks, indeed. Yep. Um, so that's that's a you know a that's that's you know I guess it's most known for eighteen-year-old and a seventy-nine-year-old, right? Yes. Yeah. It's a coming-of-age film. It it hits all the. Uh, ticks all the boxes of a coming of age uh, coming of age comedy. Yep, kid starts out without a banjo and ends up with a banjo. Yeah, I know. As, you know, when I rewatched it, I was just like, Rob already doesn't like this movie, and now it's going to be another uh, piece of evidence where he can just criticize banjos. This is this is <laughs> this is the Mumford and Sons origin story. Yeah. <sighs> let's 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 push through. Okay, let's push through. We're not here to criticize. Hal Ashby, Banjos. I might be, I might be here for that. Um, Hal Ashby is is in some ways very similar to John Hughes in that I think he represents an era, and either that era hits for you or it doesn't. All and right. if it well, doesn't, it's we're going to come back to Hal Ashby. I want to talk about the three principles here, and and because okay. I think all three have really cool stories. So let's. I'm going to start with the person I think I I hope we can all agree is awesome, and that's Ruth Gordon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so she plays the the she plays Maud. Yeah, the female lead, yep. and uh, she is absolutely fantastic in this movie, and and fantastic in everything I've ever seen her in. I would guess that. Would you say that people would probably recognize her best from? Well, she. Uh, Rosemary's probably, Baby. I Rosemary's think. Baby. Yeah, Rosemary's Baby. Yeah. I know she's in the show Taxi, but wasn't she only in like one episode or something? She like wasn't that? a series regular. I think. Like she was, I think she had guests, a recurring guest spot, but she wasn't a starring person. Like she didn't okay. have her name in the credits. So probably yeah, Rosemary's Baby, where she, and she's awesome in that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And but what I think, and I'll admit, I didn't know this, and it made me kind of feel bad because I feel like I I should have known this. Did you know that she was nominated three times for an Academy Award for as a writer? No, I didn't know that. I didn't really know much about her except that she was in Rosemary's Baby. She in was not which way but loose. Three times with with her husband. Uh, she was married to him for I think like forty three years until her death. And they wrote many uh, several movies together and were nominated three times. The movie that people would probably be most familiar with, uh, they co wrote Adam's Rib. Oh, and with they were nominated uh, for with an Spencer Award. Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, so it was written for Catherine Hepburn, and they were nominated for an Academy Award for that. Huh. Pretty cool. I'm, and she was also I'm, nominated uh, for. Um, uh, as a supporting actress for Rosemary's Baby and for Inside Daisy Clover. I don't know that last one. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I'm, I'm not familiar with it either. I'm going to come out and say I'm a big fan of those Clint Eastwood orangutan movies. Yeah! <laughs> yeah every Which Way But Loose. She's in yes. Every Which Way But Loose, And uh, too. what's the sequel, Any Which Way You Can? Is she in that yes, one? Yes, she's in both, of course. 
Yeah. Those those are some good those are dad movies. I think I watched those with my dad. <laughs> yeah, most Clint Eastwood movies are, right? Yeah. So Ruth Gordon rules. Great. Uh and I think we can also agree on Bud Court. Good. He's very good in this movie. Uh he for the first half he doesn't show a lot of emotion, but he has some really good facial expressions in the second half. Yeah, and uh, he's been in some really cool movies as well. Uh, the Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou and also Heat, uh, which I know is uh, a favorite of ours. Mm-hmm. Dogma. And, and uh, I'm not a fan, but I know Rob. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. People know. I don't, it is a, it is I don't flawed, remember Dogma very well. but It is a flawed movie, but it's still overall God. pretty funny. He plays God? Oh, that's yeah. kind of cool. That, that's what's annoying about Kevin Smith is like he'll do cool things. Like I'm going to have Bud Court play God. But yeah. Uh, then right, he doesn't well, make very cool movies. <laughs> yeah. Also was in Theodore Rex. Oh, nice. The Whoopi Goldberg uh, <laughs> buddy cop movie with a dinosaur. As you do. <laughs> so the one thing that I haven't seen that I know Bud Court was in was he was in a made-for-TV movie, Bates Motel. Not the A&E show Bates Motel. This was the mid-'80s. And he starred as the former... Uh, insane asylum roommate of Norman Bates. <laughs> Norman Bates died in the asylum and left the Bates Motel to Bud Court. Oh, and I'm looking at the, at the poster TV advertisement for it, and it, it looks good. I haven't seen it, but that's the one thing I know about Bud Court. Hmm. What a wacky get-up. Like, part of me imagines like a Miller Boyette style sitcom intro where it's like, I inherited the Bates motel. And then like cheesy music comes on. Also in that movie, Jason Bateman. Oh, and directed and written by the guy who wrote universal soldier. (laughs) Oh, wow. That's a fun fact. (laughs) Well, just an all star, all star cast and crew there. So Bud Court, um, he got sort of in trouble by I don't remember what studio did Harold and Maude, but Paramount. Uh, Paramount. He uh, he wanted Hal Ashby to have Final Cut, uh, the director to have Final Cut, and he said he wouldn't do any promotion if Hal Ashby didn't get Final Cut. Nice. So he didn't do any promotion, wow. and he kind of thinks that's why his career didn't really do much after Harold and Maude, or as much as you. Paramount blackball him. Yeah, they sort of just stopped giving him work. Yeah, and he was in Brewster McCloud before this, and he was and he, like Altman and Mash. He, was he made Mash some stuff with Altman. Yeah, like he was he were he seemed to like be really good at working with people who were really good at pissing people off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then, of course, uh, most famously in this movie, I, I guess, would be Hal Ashby. As yeah, the... uh, I I love Hal Ashby. I think he's uh, absolutely fantastic. I think. It's coming around, but I think he's the most underrated American director, certainly of the 70s, but I would say maybe of all time. So um, I know there's definitely a lot to, to dive into about Hollywood and like Hollywood in the 70s. But I think before we do that, uh, it, I think we should talk about uh, sort of the topic at hand, which is Harold. There's sort mm-hmm. of like we, we chose this movie because because Harold uh, fits these traits. Um, yeah, and and he's he's part one of two parts, and we won't reveal the second part, of, like, the boomer fail sons. Okay. And, like, Rob, why don't you um, give me, give yeah. me a Harold breakdown? 
So Harold is, I, 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 I do not like Harold. Um, and I guess I'm supposed to, um, but I actually, I, I'm trying to think of like the best way to like, essentially all we know about Harold is he, he tries, he does these like fake suicides and he goes to funerals. That's kind of it. Uh, there's a relationship with his mom, which isn't good. <laughs> no. But also, I was thinking, does he ever say anything to her in the entire movie? Yeah. He, yeah. Sa- he tells her he's getting married. Yeah. Oh, but before that? Uh, he must. I don't think he says anything. He just quietly tries no, to he, kill himself. He, it, at dinner, they, he, she asks why he isn't eating or why he's playing with his food, and he says he has a sore throat. Like He, he, he does engage in her okay. conversation a few it's times. It's very little, though. Right. Does he doesn't the, say much in general. Does really. this no. blow apart your theory that one of them is a ghost? <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, no. His first suicide worked. And <laughs> yeah, he's actually... been dead the whole time. <laughs> okay. Now I'm interested. Now this movie interests me if that's what we're doing. Uh no, I he just like I I get I get what Ashby's doing in this movie. It's not really even Ashby, it's the guy who wrote it, which I have things to say on that. But just in general like he's just a rich kid that stays and he's only like 18 so it's fine that he's staying at home but like as far as we understand what to compare him to last week's episode we talked about Batman Begins or sorry Batman Returns and we mentioned about how <laughs> the bat- uh, we talked there's about too many, the Batman. there's too many two word Batman movies I know Batman does something um <laughs> Batman f- how how long will ba- <laughs> how, how long will Batman last is he coming or going yes <laughs> Uh, so we, Joe, you brought up last week that uh, the penguin uh, is like, you know, this is what happens when when a fail son leaves a basement. There is no risk in general of Harold leaving the basement. Uh, he's not no, going he's, anywhere. He's not going to hurt anybody. And 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 there's two ways to look at it. One is you know this idea of birthright and kind of feeling like things are owed to you. Uh, but the other thing is like Harold also is like a a, a, a null ambition person. Like there's he's there's nothing he wants to do, like the big thing he learns at the end is like a banjo's neat, and uh, <laughs> okay. your contempt for the banjo is so just brimming. Like I love I how much you hate this banjo. I know. Uh, so like <laughs> I, I don't know. I I I mean you guys can figure this okay, out. Okay, you just, you got to tick off. Let's just keep it real simple. Just tick it off. Rich kid, yay or rich nay? Rich kid, yes, yes, definitely. Lacking in ambition. Yes. Yes. Uh, parents try to buy his love, or try to buy buy him into caring about things, like the yes. car, for example. Yes. So they the buy car. him a yeah. what kind of car was that? I'm not really a car guy. Uh, is it a Jaguar or? A... Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um. Although I will. Okay. Can I defend the mom for just one second? Uh, she does terrible, send him dude. to therapy. Yeah. Like. Okay, that's fair. So here is a question I have. Harold is legally an adult, right? Yes. Like, how does she have all this power over him to almost draft him into the army and make him see a therapist and make him see these women? Is she threatening to cut him off? I don't think he has the ability to say no. Yeah, he can't. He can't. He has no spine. He's really like just he, does whatever his mom tells him. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Th- I think that he's uh, just really depressed. 
and obviously the suicide yeah. stuff takes it to a comic degree, but he's just just classic like clinical depression. Okay. I just thought and, it was kind of weird because he's he's obviously 18 and up. So I, legally he doesn't have to do any of these things. Well, I don't I know guess, if it's obvious to be honest. I guess if he's going to military he has to be over 18, right? Yeah. I mean, so if he can yeah. he'd have to be 18 to be drafted. Yeah. Anyway. So he's he's anyways he's he comes from like not just wealth, but it's clear like this is old money wealth. Yeah, yeah. She's got that classic like old money like accent. Gaudy house. Like, yes, uh, and he's. They have an original mansion, not one of those tacky new mansions. That's right. Yeah, it's, it's not, not a Betsy Davis any, mansion. It's this isn't new money. Yeah, this is a Kennedy yeah. mansion right there. <laughs> and, yeah, basically, it's like a, he's born into a family like the Kennedys. Like it, even though it, it's in California, but it's like that kind of thing. And there's a moment, I think the moment that kind of shows the relationship between his mother and him the most is when uh, she wants him to start dating. So she starts, like, wants to set up a dating profile for him. And about, like, three questions in, partly because he hasn't said a word. Uh, no, she, she just she's <laughs> immediately has no interest in what his opinions are. She just don't starts don't pretend it's because of him. She starts filling his dating profile for herself, which part of me thought, you go, girl. You get out there again. You get out there again. Fill that dating profile yeah, out for yourself. Yeah, okay. That's the thing. It's because his father's dead. I'm why doesn't? Why isn't she? Like, why doesn't she just fill this out for herself? Did I miss That's when a, they say that his father's dead? I don't know if they say he's dead. I think it's heavily implied. I thought when he asks. Um, it's it's like either he's dead or he's. Here. He le- <laughs> <laughs> I think he says. I th- I'm pretty sure he says that his father's dead at some point to like one of the, the dates that came in. Maybe I maybe I missed it. I don't know. I, I, I don't I'm, know if, if I'm wrong, I apologize. But uh, but if I am wrong, uh, don't email us because we don't care. But the dad is not a central figure in the movie. It doesn't exist. No, he's not seen, yeah. and he's. Uh, yeah. I just mean that his presence isn't even felt or. No. Affixed to Harold. Zero, zero no. effect. There's an uncle. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> there is an uncle, a one-armed yes. uncle, a one-armed uncle in the military. Um, but Work, then worked for MacArthur. <laughs> yeah. So, so you know, I I thought a lot with Harold. Is does the internet help or hurt Harold? If the internet existed, uh, has the internet ever helped anyone? Yeah. The, yeah, I think it does. Well, I think that it does help because the first time that he forms a real relationship with another person like i think coming out of this movie he's fine like i don't have any doubt that he'll be go on and have uh and obviously that's partly movie magic you know wrapping things up nicely not to say that the movie has a traditional like happy ending but he seems okay and it's because he had a genuine interact he had a genuine like relationship with a person who listened to him and talked to him and cared about what he had to say and his mom doesn't care what he has to say. It, it, like, his mom yeah. doesn't actually listen to him. No. So I, I think that the internet would have helped him because he would have found people that are interested in the same things as him. And that's how he meets Maude, right? They both like funerals. Yeah. So I, he would have met somebody in a... In, <laughs> He'd have met her on... So it depends our, on which era of the internet you're talking about, but a message board our to slash betray my generation. fans or something. Yeah. 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 Or six and I, feet I, under fanboys. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you movie. know what? Harold would have been a Tumblr boy for sure. <laughs> Tumblr yeah, boy. I agree with that. But he meets which, which he meets, is that which is good for that for by internet yeah. standards. That that's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
it, but he meets the the oldest manic pixie dream girl in the history of cinema. <laughs> he definitely. I had that in my notes too. Yes, he he meets manic pixie Ruth. Yep. And and I think that she. I and I normally find this trope extremely irritating. <laughs> like, but I don't. I I personally don't mind it in this movie because it's different enough. That, and I, you also kind of have to remember, like it's 1971 when this comes out, so that storytelling trope is not quite as overused at that point. But sure, I think Maude is a genuinely like kind of interesting, fascinating character. And and normally, like this kind of thing would, re- I, I I don't understand why I like this movie because it contains so many things that normally bother me a lot. But I I think Harold's sort of I find Harold really really funny, and I think Bud Court's really physical performance that he has is really subtle and his facial expressions are, are are not he's he's not mugging at any point except the one moment where he kind of does where he breaks the fourth wall i just think it's so good i think he's so funny and i i like him he and has I, a very I, unique I, I'm, I'm look surprised. and a very yeah. unique face yeah he does and i i think that that if we're talking and getting back to like the fail sun hours here i think we, one thing that we're forgetting when we talk about it is okay he's a rich kid kind of aimless doesn't know what he wants to do his mother's deeply disappointed in him and we can imagine his father probably would be too if he was around <laughs> but like he we we have to remember the story that he tells Maud about where why these fake suicides happen and you have to remember the boarding school story and yeah. i think so not I think only does he have a mom who's um, we have an emotionally absent mother when he's around her but we can imagine he spent most of his childhood away at yeah. a boarding school, which I mean, I, I, I myself included. Well, listeners know how I feel about that sort of class of people, but like he just has no, he has no meaningfully intimate relationship with anybody, ever. Yeah. So Until, yeah, I think that's what for me makes that this movie a, a tough role to get there because like the first thing we ever see him do is like try like essentially from like a viewer standpoint like trick his mom into thinking he hung himself, and you don't learn like this story till like you know three quarters of the way through the movie yeah yeah and i can totally understand why someone wouldn't find that funny and, no. and i and i think yes. that that like in this era it's it's even less it's it's, it's really it's tough borderline. To it's, it's kind of really problematic I, I i think it's really funny and i think if you watch the whole film i think that as a whole it's not really problematic at all but but playing these things as as comedy is not cool. No. Well, what was that show that got a lot of heat that was on Netflix? Oh yeah. Um, I feel oh, like yeah, thirteen something. Thirteen yeah. reasons why. Hey users, yeah. we're young and hip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or not used. God. Talk yeah, about that, that talk, shows. That shows talk, super messed up. Talk about internet people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, listeners can tell that we're really on the cusp of popular culture. Uh, but yeah, I, obviously I haven't seen that, but I would guess that that kind of has similar usage of killing yourself. No, it's worse. Kill yourself. It's worse. But okay, I, but that, I, I that mean, gets again, us off into a tangent. Yeah, we don't need to go, um, go down there. It had been. I bet. And with, like the, what we're known for is staying on topic. <laughs> yes, I know. Uh, a quick question, though, real quick. Um, Maybe this is a dumb thing to think, but did anyone think like how different this movie would feel if the genders were reversed? Mm. Like you have some eighty-year-old man 
or a 79-year-old man hanging out with some 18-year-old girl and being like, oh, check out this wooden man, vagina you just ruined this. You just ruined like, the movie for me, man. Why don't you have a drink? I don't drink. Come on, have a drink. <laughs> yeah, it's... God damn it. It's super dark that way. It's, it's awful. It's a really messed up movie. I just took a bunch of pills. I'm going to die in front of you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's... uh. Just yeah, doing just crimes left and right, like yeah, it's <laughs> just like like pedophi- pedophilia one hundred and one. If it's like the genders are like well, swapped. isn't to a certain extent is the gender inverse Lolita? Well, Lolita's of. like isn't she like fifteen years old She's, in that yeah. book? Yeah, yeah, but like he's forty something. I don't remember. I've only seen the Kubrick movie, and and I will say with Mod, I am interested. In mod, I am interested in like you know. There's like a concentration camp reference, yeah. And like yeah, how she tattoo. came to America, and so like, I will say that's a really great bit, and it's a blink and you'll miss it bit. I love concentration yeah. camp bits. Come on, no, it's not come on. on. <laughs> he meant bit as in like not as I a know. joke. I know. <laughs> so, okay, first, this isn't related to the concentration camp thing, but there were there were several parts. There were several parts in this movie where I thought, what if Cat Stevens was swap- swapped out with Yakety Sax? <laughs> God. What's wrong with you? <laughs> Especially when they're driving around and yeah. having... Yeah, having oh, when she's yeah. just driving. Gosh darn it! God! <laughs> yeah. When she's, she's driving the car all crazy. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, that reminds me. Have you guys ever... Um, <sighs> I'm sure you have, but like being in a car with someone who's a bad driver is terrifying. Yeah, especially, I, and, especially like that bad, like swerving like that. Yeah, and so it reminded me uh, of when I was younger. There was a cousin, an old cousin, named Evelyn, who came to live with us one summer, and it's one of the it's one of what those stories. Of your that childhood as- is just bizarre. <laughs> absolutely bizarre i've known you since 2001 and like these stories oh by the way yeah is i've I've never uh so one time my house burned down and we had uh my dad knew someone who owned chuck e cheese so my bed was the ball pit but that was only like for like three months if you told me that story next month i wouldn't be surprised so this is the thing you know your childhood's whatever it is and you think it's normal as i was thinking about this i was like this is so crazy but it was just this um this older cousin how older uh she was in her like 65 plus retired age. (laughs) I mean, given, given, given your dad's age, that makes perfect sense, but it's still funny. And so I think her health was like having some issues. Her husband had died or something. And so there was some arrangement. Go play with your cousin, Rob. There was some arrangement. No, I don't want to. I'm sick of pushing her wheelchair around. There was this arrangement that was made. We want to we want to light up fireworks, and her oxygen tank is right by us. I'm just envi- no, my cousin can't. Come. I'm envisioning like an old lady in with an oxygen tank at the casino who has like one of those voice boxes. Cause blah, blah. <laughs> so hold on. So she give she, my oxygen tank one more crank. <laughs> I was like ten or so. So I was like 
I she was, was 55 years old. 65 plus. Just let me no, finish but, but, but the damn you, I'm story. saying how much older she was than you. Yeah, 55. some real Harold oh and Mod stuff. And then she introduced me to alcohol, and uh, she drove around all crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. He was of legal drinking age at that time. She's like, look at this look at this wooden vagina I made. Do you want to put your hands in it? Did she, like, yeah, that scene. Did she tell you stories about reconstruction? <laughs> yeah. So she. So I think the deal that was made was essentially like, hey – Rob is a. <laughs> our kid can't stay home by himself yet, so why don't oh you stay God. here during the summer? And then when he comes, like during the summer, some like we can go to work, and then there's someone at the house. Just so your case. your cousin was your 65 year old babysitter. Yeah, and so the problem is I was like 10. <laughs> Who drove right? around so drunk. Was, so I was old enough to like be okay on my own. So like I didn't need help. It was just an old lady that was eh, around. Can we we could argue that you still yeah, need okay. help? Okay, well, well, hold on. <laughs> so all I remember about that summer is three things. One, I would go out and play basketball in my backyard all the time because otherwise I was sitting in a room with my Evelyn. Number two, <laughs> I watched a lot of Carmen San Diego, and then she was being sweet. But anytime Carmen San Diego was on, she would be like, "Hey." Carmen de San Diego's on if you want to watch it. And I was like, no, Aww. I don't I don't want to. So that was that over. That is sweet of her. She's yep. trying. Number, she's trying. Number three is I would have to go with her as she ran errands from time to time. And I would be in her car. <laughs> and she would drive around. And it was terrifying. Like, she shouldn't have been driving. And it, what's weird about driving, like riding in a car with a terrible driver, is it's weirdly something that's socially unacceptable to be like, hey, you're Stop really it. bad at this. You shouldn't do this. Yeah. It's, it's, um, and you I just, just remember, got, you just got to dig into that side, you know, the handle. I just yeah, hope for the best. Yeah. We've all been in situations like that, that you're in a car with a bad driver and you don't say anything. And I think it's because as Midwesterners, we were taught at a very young age that you shouldn't speak ill will of women. Uh... <laughs> I don't know. You said that like it's a joke and I don't get the joke. Yeah, I. I don't even know if it's a joke or not. I don't, Women are I bad Rob drivers. Guys. This. Women are bad drivers. That's what oh. I was saying. Can I just say that there's <laughs> there's also a line between bad driver and intentionally drunk driver. <laughs> she wasn't drunk. I was kidding when I said that. That was the mod. Well, thing. how am I? How am I to know? <laughs> she like, wasn't drinking. Ro- she just Joe, old and she's been Joe, driving. stick up for me, like. If, I, st- I stopped listening to him if, several months If Rob ago. had said that she just drove around with a flask out in front of 10-year-old Rob, would that sound any more insane than anything we've learned just tonight? No. no it's, it's, you're, Listen, the it's other, amazing the, uh, the other reason I would, I would find that totally normal was that my grandmother was an alcoholic and would, like, actually had a flask she kept in her purse. Oh, no. Neat. <laughs> what was her booze of choice? Yeah. Brandy. Sherry. Oh. I'm sorry, it's not funny. No, but it, it is. You you talk about like old money from the South, like that's she, right. Your family is was like super rich they, and powerful from that side. The the Shacklefords. <laughs> what if your name was Duffy Shackleford? Oh, that'd be good. That'd be <laughs> that'd be a good combination of uh, Irish peasant class and uh, plantation owners from like. Gone with the wind, basically. What is Sherry short for? Like the name Sherry. It's like if your name, if you're a person, uh, in darling. Your <laughs> I don't think it's short for anything. Just name Sherry. Uh, you can be named so anything. There's Rob. at least 
15 people listening to this that are very upset. They're all named Sherry. <laughs> like, ah, it's short for Sharon, you idiot. Maybe it is. I don't really know. Sheraline. Sheraline. It's probably Sheraline. Yep, nailed it. Okay, so let's 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 try to just wrap up the the fail son Harold. Okay? okay, so uh, I have a, I, I, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I have a question, but go on. Well, well, it, uh, hopefully you have an opportunity to ask it related. I'm to sure. This. So I let's let's just try to, to try to categorize him. So we, like I said, part one of two of like the boomer fail sons, and I I think that he is somewhat defensible. He's not as violently malicious as some fail sons. Yeah, he doesn't seem like he has any interest in, in like hurting anyone but his mother. And he, he, I also and the, and, the, and those girls. Can I just That's say? Mean. Can I just say that another another fail son trait he has is, by extension, he's the type of person who is just a dick to the help because these women didn't do anything to him. They no. all seemed nice. They all seemed really nice. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. okay, I I can push back on that a little bit because one of the dates comes over and says that the sorority sisters all like filled it out as a gag, and she basically drew the short straw to go over there and do this date. Sure, it was like the beginning so of that's, computer like dating, but yes. So like she's going over there like as a joke to like, hey, someone from the sorority has to go and date this loser. She didn't treat Harold badly though. Well, no. she never had an opportunity to really meet him. because yeah, well, he faked a suicide. <laughs> well, I know, but yeah. but, but, <laughs> yeah. but that's not the point. Joke. The point is that like she my, the, no, I think I'm right here. The point is that she went into this with in bad faith. Hmm. I would argue. There's okay. Some hold on. That, now, now, are you? I would. I would argue that this movie is pro fail son. Hmm. And uh, so what do you mean? Okay. <clears throat> All right, so here's here's why I think that. This movie feels like, to me, looks down at anyone who does anything, right? So, like, and there's good reasons on certain ones, but there's, like, the hapless cop. There's the hapless cop. It's good cops. that they own the cop, in my Ho- opinion. Hold on. Yep, hold on. Uh, by the way, it's Tom Skerritt, which is hilarious, by the yes. way. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Uh, number two, like, and, and Joe's going to agree with this, but they kind of, like, own the military, which, fine, I get it. This is 1971. You're doing your thing, Hal. I get it. But also, I feel like the uh, way I, – I feel like the way that everyone else is treated who does anything, like, the idea like, – Who if else? You, who else? All the, all the girls that he goes and dates, like, they're like, oh, I'm a paralegal. Oh, I'm doing this. Like, I think everyone is treated with contempt, and the only person that isn't – is a is this seventy nine year old loon that like steals cars and his whole whole like entire thing is like hey listen you've earned the right to be an a- you want and like and I just think that like this movie like I, is sort of telling like listen you don't you don't need to do anything I, you've earned the right to mess around and do whatever you want just by being here I don't think that's true like I I don't think like do you think he's gonna coming out of this film and his relationship with Maude, this movie he's going to be doing the, the same se- stuff? The, this movie encourages the most selfish behavior possible. It is all about doing whatever you want. It is right to do whatever you want to do, which is essentially the fail-son motto. I mean, even the end of Maude is essentially her doing that, making that choice. She doesn't care about Harold anymore past her like expiration date. And this yeah. is like why, in general, I just hate hippies. 
<laughs> so that's no, part no, of it. I, uh, no, I mean, I I hate them too. And, and I think it's you said I think it's correct. Midnight Boys canon that we do not like hippies. Well, no. because we know what they grew up to be. Part, yeah. yeah. Like Reagan campaign volunteers. Like yeah. that's what they grew up to be. And and I think that that you're right to an ex, like to a pretty. I'm not. I I don't want to say to an extent because it that diminishes it. And I don't mean to do that. I just mean that some of the behavior you're talking about that that is selfish and immature like the way he handles the dates and stuff like i i kind of forgive it because i think some of that stuff is really funny but i just like it appeals to my dark sense of humor like when he lights himself on fire and stuff i think that's hilarious but just as a sight gag i think it's really funny uh i think that that scene with the actress who i think he actually forms like somewhat genuine connection with there is funny too so yeah because she undercuts him you know undercuts his nonsense you know can i just say that i found the resolution of that scene confusing because it almost seemed for a moment that he thought oh she's unhinged or kind of loony like me and you he kind of has a look that it seems like maybe he's forming a more appropriate connection that yeah. m- maybe Maud has taught him how to do that, but then it they just end with the mom coming in. There's the gag of her dropping the drink, and it yeah. And so I don't. It's weird. I don't know. Are we? It seems like it was going to go in a different direction to me. Well, it I, I like think she that would be an interesting possibility for him at that point. And, yeah. and it very well, it very well may turn out to be one. Like there's no there. Like how many days go by after that's over? Like Less then, than a year. Re- we know that. Well, no, <laughs> like it's a couple months generally from the beginning of the movie to yeah. the No, she says she's turning eighty in like pretty soon, a week or month yeah. or something. Like when he first meets her. So like okay, a lot so of this like stuff, a, a lot of this stuff happens very very quickly. I, I think it's over so, a course of weeks. So I, I so. think that, that that scene is a is a sign that like he's starting to like sort of figure things out. And and we can imagine if the film went on and he walks away at the end with from the cliff, like like maybe he gets in touch with her. Yeah, but other than that, like I don't think that Maud's character is is quite her philosophy is quite as selfish as you make it out to be. I think that she's a person who's who's quite old and has lived a very very hard life, and she is doing pretty much exactly what I would hope I'm doing when I'm seventy nine years old, living which a would having fall a good time with an eighteen year old no, girl and then no. killing yourself. Have just ha- I'm t- you you were you were talking about the philosophy and that's what I'm okay. referring to and she's just like like create things have fun be open minded be open to new things no matter how old you are you should be ready to do that and and I think that that's good I think that that can get twisted into something very very selfish and I think the points you raise are very apt I mean, because I think I- most of the people and obviously like. I've I've always have an axe to grind with that generation, which might be boring to people and and like kind of getting tired. But I think that got twisted into something very dark in the in the late seventies and the eighties. But but there is some element of good in that. Maybe, but I I still just like the selfishness comes out like oh it's fine to steal people's cars because they shouldn't like no, physical that, things and it's like uh, th- that's not that's not what I'm talking about. But but you're but right. That's part of her. No no like, but you're, you're right. No 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 you're right. I'm not disagreeing with that part. No. I was going to say, to tie it back to hippies, there is kind of a um, do whatever feels good in the moment, but you're not thinking of how others will be affected. Like, there are a lot of people inconvenienced by those cars she stole. (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but but yes, you're right. Okay. I mean, I think so. This is like my issue of Hell Ashby in general, is I feel like there's this like this is why the movies never relate to me. And I was actually curious when I was watching this movie because this movie like doesn't connect with me at all, like zero percent. And I was like, man, let me check out Hal Ashby's like life. And I uh, oh, was I not don't... shocked to find out that by the time he made this movie, he had been married and divorced five times. The five timers up- club. It, by the time you're 40 is pretty remarkable. That's that's extra points. Um, and then I was like, oh, but he didn't write it. So like that's different. But then I learned it was just like some guy who wrote it in college as a thesis. So I'm like, so this five-time divorcee <laughs> found a college play and was like, yes, this sold is him, love. Sold him some dirt pot. Um, <laughs> it's like, hey, you want to read my screenplay? Well, the and so studio, like, I don't know. That's, that's, it's not exactly like that because the studio was going to let him direct, that guy direct this movie. They did, yes. And, and he, then he wasn't and he, good. And, well, he, there, yeah, there's some issues, and like Hal Ashby was going to didn't want to do it because he didn't want to take it away from this kid, and the kid like they they basically kind of made a deal, and and he did it, but and I think uh, we should redefine kid because a fun fact about this guy, Colin well, Higgins, really, the, the screenwriter, yeah. uh, had a uh, built a hot tub and a duck and a and a deck for his backyard. <laughs> Guess who he employed to do it, guys. Oh no, Harrison Ford. Oh, oh really? That's yeah, <laughs> I thought this was gonna go to a darker place. Yeah, no, I'm glad yeah. it didn't. It was, yeah, Charles Manson. <laughs> I wanted to say one more thing about the whole boomer aspect of this, and I, this movie doesn't click with me. It, I'm, I don't hate it, but it's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff. Joe, this what you said earlier that theoretically there's a lot of stuff that should bug you, but it doesn't. I think it does for me. There's a lot of manic pixiness going on, and I think this for a lot of people is a you had to be there movie, and you had to be really enmeshed in that youth counterculture of the time. Um, but what I will say, I think that Harold's dad is like we said not in this movie but I think that the the reason for that is that Harold is the son of the greatest generation Harold is a stand-in for all boomers and so we don't need to see his dad because we know his dad and that all of this movie is uh kind of what we've touched on in various points but this is the boomer statement up to this point, which is you see the beginnings of that Reagan greed is good selfishness and what we've talked about. Um, we see a lot. We see a lot of the messages from the generation that is older than Harold. We see no one knows anything. The psychiatrist is dumb. The the cops are cops, obviously. The priest is... Oh, rep- God, the priest. The priest is a repressed... <laughs> that, that's a great, great scene. That's a great <laughs> scene. That The priest is a repressed pervert. Well, do you know, what the, do you know why that scene happened? Like, is they wanted not. to... Sh- they wanted to show more of... Uh, we haven't really even gotten into this, but Harold and, and Maude do have sex. Yes. yes. And none of it is really shown. They just kind of... Yeah 
go show the postcoital bliss of of Harold famously blowing bubbles in bed while Maude sleeps. As you do. <laughs> well, I no, I think that's cool. Uh, whatever, fine. I, I'm not gonna fight about this anymore. But I, I <laughs> no, think it's cool. I, I will say, it's little things like that that I do not like. This, it's kind of the same thing as there are are a lot of Wes Anderson copycats and. Joe, you're going to get angry, but do you know what movie this the Harold and Maude reminded me of? This came out in 1971. I know, but what what do you think it reminded me of? I don't know. I don't Gar- care. Garden State. Yeah, but I don't understand how that could be a burn on Harold and Maude. Because Garden State is not very good. Well, it isn't, but like Her- it, it, that's 40 years later. No, I know, but I'm there's... Or actually, it's, I guess it's like 35 years later. Just, I remember when I watched Garden State the first time, like, yeah, that was okay. And then I just thought about, I'm like, there's so much random, quirky, twee, hipster nonsense things in that movie. Yeah, I don't disagree with you and on that. And it's, it's the exact, like, like, there's some, I think Maud is a interesting character and Ruth Gordon does a great job. But, and then there are times where she'll say something and I'm like, Oh, that's yeah, that's true. And then she'll get a present and just throw it in the lake and be like, now I know where it is. And I just want to strangle her be like, you get a job. Hippie. <laughs> get a job. 79 year old woman. I don't care yeah, what it is. Well. Just get a job. <laughs> All right. Oh, there, there's, man. there's people that need to be greeted at Walmart and that's what. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. She'd be great at that actually. Yeah. She would steal. Actually, she would be great at that because she'd steal from Walmart, which is good. Um, <laughs> so, I, I guess I think that Harold is a, is basically the microcosm of the Boomer generation. Harold is born to the greatest economy that the world literally has ever known, and just fritters about. And the generational cult fail son, we'll call him. <laughs> Yeah, anyway, so yeah. to finish my story, the point of uh, the reason that scene went in there is the studio wouldn't let them show, like, they were going to sh- actually show a little bit more of that sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. And they're obviously this, well, I shouldn't say obviously because it, it, they're wrong, but, like, the, they said no. <laughs> and so they kind of worked around it with, with the scene. And so the purpose of it is to kind of make fun of the the studio's attitude so the priest is meant to adopt this to to embody the studio's attitude oh. that would not allow them to show anything so they were kind of censored in that they couldn't show a sex scene this intergenerational sex scene so in, rather than cutting out and leaving it they or fighting about it they just decided well it'd be clever if we then instead just showed this scene with the priest just being absolutely revolted and disgusted by it which is kind of a critique of the studio's attitude, which I think is a clever way to work around that. Do you know if that sh- scene was shot or if it was just in the screenplay? Because I'm curious with like these, like the Criterion Collection stuff, like does that scene exist? Rob wants that content. <laughs> uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure. I, I just okay. watched um, the Hal Ashby interview where he talked about all right, it, okay. you don't see him, but it's it's a recorded uh, talk that he gave, and he talks about it, which is and, pr- pretty interesting. And, it's short too; it's only thirteen. And that minutes was if a, you get that. And that was the scene that Bud Court didn't do promotion because they didn't include. Okay, so 
Joe. All right. Are we ready to go back? Uh, t- well, okay. Now this one is not. We're not going back. We're going deep. We're going deep. Yeah, we're gonna. Uh, this this I picked especially for Duff. Oh no. A little reading selection here, okay? Now, this is not really from the dark web. The deep blue web? Is it blue? No, this this, is, this is from... This is a very much an establishment um, publication. Is it blue? What are you talking about? <laughs> I don't get it, dude. Oh, blue. like blue is in, like, dirty? <laughs> yeah. No. Well, well kind of. Well, we okay, ne- kind of, we'll, I'll say. We'll need okay. the slide whistle? I would, say <laughs> th- I would say it's very likely that over the course of this, one of us will say something that is blue. We'll later ask to have cut out of the episode, and then I won't. Cut it. <laughs> okay, perfect. Okay, Basement so I, I read this, and I the I read the headline, and I said I want to go over this with Duff. So I'm going to read this article, and you guys just interrupt me with takes or reactions anytime you want. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is from the Atlantic, mm-hmm. and uh, and and I want to reiterate for for listeners of uh, our, our last show. They're going to know why I thought of Duff after I read this headline. And here we go. The headline is Hollywood's problem with senior citizen sex. (laughs) (laughs) And this was written in 2012 by Maura Kelly. And I'd like to thank her for that. Uh, The the subhead is the newly reissued heralded mod is funny, but it didn't treat mods love life as a joke. So here we go. In the, oddball, in the oddball film classic Harold and Maude, which the Criterion Collection released this week for the first time on Blu-ray, a morose young man with a peculiar genius for faking his suicide falls for a free-spirited woman who is pushing 80. The wonderful actress Ruth Gordon, who is roughly the same age as her character when she starred in the film, both looked her years and gorgeous. Okay. Could the She's film a good-looking have- 79-year-old woman. All right. Duff is just reaching for his oxygen tank, and that's fine. Could the film have been made today? Probably not. Actresses are now getting Botox in their 20s to save off wrinkles, says Melanie Davis, co-president of the Sexuality and Aging Consortium at Widener University in Chester, Pennsylvania. Uh, Duff, any interest in volunteering there? Mm, No, I'll pass. (laughs) Why? Keep reading. (laughs) Are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Duff, I'm... how many pillows have you stacked on your lap during this? You <laughs> <laughs> found his whole geography book. <laughs> but consider how beautifully wrinkled Ruth Gordon was in Harold and Maude. The mo- movie wouldn't have had nearly enough charm had she looked 20 years younger. Hmm. Like the, like the graduate? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. God damn it. That's good. <laughs> Indeed. While Harold and Maude's absurdist plot pivots on the extremity of the May-December romance, its magic has to do with how we aren't supposed to take Gordon's character entirely seriously as an object of sexual desire. And yet, despite ourselves, we do. So it's the royal we? (laughs) I was going to say. I I think it's meant to be the collective we. Okay, let let me take a break here, by the way. I agree with everything this article says. So I don't I, I I don't want anyone to read in my tone as me as me making fun of this, I, but I feel very confident that eventually Duff is going to break this facade and and have a rant. But let's keep going. As Harold, played by Bud Court in the performance of a lifetime, falls for her, so do we. 
A post-coital scene in which Harold sits up in bed, blowing bubbles in a state of semi-delirious satisfaction while Monk <laughs> sleeps, is believable as a stand-in for the pleasures that came before it because Gordon's vitality, sensuality, and physical magnificence are so powerful. The look of maniacal pleasure on Court's face helps, too. Maniacal pleasure? I, I'm just going to point out, <laughs> imagine this, and once again, the genders are switched. Did he bring the bubbles, or did Maude have them? <laughs> <laughs> the bubbles is very weird. That does seem like something she would have in that house. Yeah, she would. It's like there's a compartment inside the big wooden vagina. <laughs> <laughs> you you made two references to that, and, and people who haven't seen it are probably very confused. Can you just briefly talk yeah, about what you're talking, referencing here? In the middle of her train car that she lives in, <laughs> um, there, <laughs> there is a giant wooden vagina artwork exhibit and the first time that Harold's over she's like you should just rub and caress it she doesn't feel it she does say that oh I I meant like maybe I'm not remember she says it like that well I don't know I mean it's it's not a subtle subtext no No. it's really funny and it's funny when he realizes what it is too I think but anyways did anyone yeah. did anyone notice that his head becomes the clit of that structure? She says, yeah, she says, here's the line. Uh, he, uh, what do you think? And he goes, oh, hey, I like it. And she goes, no, you have to touch it. You have to <laughs> run your hands over it, get close to it, really reach out and feel. You try it. And then she goes, that's right. How's the sensation? And then we hear a kettle whistle. <laughs> and See? then she goes, go ahead, Harold, stroke palm caress explore okay <laughs> that is broken that's good in my opinion can i just say that is i think it's making fun of like the hitchcock kind of train going through the station sort of scene that you would have seen in the like the 50s and 60s that is a wildly sexual scene for 1971 that yeah. is out there for like, a like major- that is a spitting image of a vagina it yeah. Is a, yeah, it's a big wooden vagina. Don't spit in the vagina, Joe. <laughs> well, what if... <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Gosh, this show's getting... Rob, is our resident censor, do we have to bleep out vagina? No. All right. <laughs> you, it's your rules. I wouldn't... Unless, I, unless it's okay. driving. <laughs> All right. And though Harold and Maude is a black comedy that premiered more than 30 years ago. It's all white people, by the way. (laughs) (sighs) You told us to interrupt at any time. No, I I, do you hear me complaining? Just letting you have your moment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's hard to find a subsequent film that depicts an older person, particularly an older woman, with so much dignity and tenderness. Mrs. Doubtfire. <laughs> uh, shallow Hal. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> there has to be a, a, a Tyler Perry's movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Black comedy, you mean? Big Mama's House. Martin Lawrence, thank you. <laughs> okay. Martin. <laughs> Particular older woman with so much dignity and tenderness as someone comfortable with her age who's sexually active and quite attractive. 
That's dismaying because seniors who age naturally can be babes, as Gordon makes clear, and they what do. What is happening? What, Go ahead. What year I'm was sorry. this written again? 2012. This, okay. this is weird. This is, <laughs> sounds like BuzzFeed. Babes is a strange term to use there. Yeah. Could, go on. As Gordon makes clear, and they do have sexual needs and lives, to omit their realities, to omit part of the human experience. Okay, and that's sort of the central thesis of this article is that Hollywood's neglect of of the sexuality of seniors is is a sort of a blank spot and a blind spot blind spot, excuse me, uh, in in sort of movies, films, and all of art's mission to explore the human experience. And this is so, something that they are that they will not do. I agree, but in the list of underrepresented people and persons in Hollywood, I find the elderly is pretty low. In my mind, <laughs> well, uh, yeah, for elderly points. in general, yeah, I agree. But but the sexuality of the elderly, I I think that's true. It, they don't go see movies in the theater, Joe. <laughs> They're the only people who go see movies in the theater. Uh, I I will agree about the sexuality aspect in that you don't see it addressed in mainstream movies. I'm trying to think. Well, wasn't there one of those Nancy Myers movies where it was an older uh, what was the one with Nicholson and Diane Keaton isn't there a sex scene in that yes yeah uh and I believe that that is is uh that's that's it's complicated we're going to come to that later and some of the some of the um vampires in Twilight are very old (laughs) (laughs) god that's such a hacky joke but it is funny dang it all right uh and and so we'll come back to those Nancy Myers movies in, in a few paragraphs Senior sexuality, this is a quote here, senior sexuality has been ignored, viewed as simply a joke or an aberration, or at least not depicted realistically in many Hollywood films, says Tim Dirks, a senior editor and film historian for filmsite.org, a comprehensive movie portal run by American Movie Class. Davis agrees, despite some glimmers of hope, Hollywood is still enamored with youthful bodies and smooth faces, she says. We never see close-ups of older couples kissing or caressing. It's as though laugh lines and age spots can't possibly be enjoyable to viewers. Who knows whether Hollywood is reacting to norms or creating them? Creating them, probably. All right, weigh in on that take. Is, is Hollywood reacting to like what the audience wants, or is it sort of dictating to the audience what it wants there? I agree with the premise because... Yeah, I agree. Um, I mean, Hollywood... You know, the the joke in Hollywood is that once you're a woman over 40, you can only play, like, not even, like, moms, like, grandmas. Like, you become yeah. kind of like the older lady actress. Um, and <laughs> one thing I was going to say, that even roles that are supposed to be old people will become younger, i.e., look at uh, Aunt May in the Spider-Man movies, and now it's, <laughs> it's like, Marissa yeah. Tomei. So I, I agree with the article that uh, older relationships in general uh yet alone sex scenes are not represented yeah my but i i guess my counter argument like not defending studios but like is there an audience for that and i don't know if there is you know so 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 much of hollywood is built on this wrongly in all in, in a lot of respects but on this like peter pan idea right you target 13 year old boys they're going to bring girls their parents got to bring them that's how you get the biggest box office i don't know if like elder elderly people engaged in sexual relationships 
is a box office draw. Yeah, probably not. But but I will say Hollywood is notoriously reactionary and and, and wrong and often. and wrong often. Yeah. Often. So it's I I do think that there's not going to be a big rush of people no. coming out if they do that but, but at the same time i do movies think like this wouldn't cost a lot of money I, to make either. i do think there's some audience for it there i is. just think that there's there's so much low-hanging fruit that we're just like hollywood just beginning to do to be like hey what if it's all women in a movie or hey yeah. what if it's what if we have like a black film or what if it's an asian film like a movie asian americans and like that they're just like oh wow wow look at that and yeah. go to that and in fairness, I guess, uh, not even fairness, I'll just say in Devil's Advocate, if you're a studio, it's like, oh, look at how the internet friggin' flipped out because there was a girl in Star Wars. Let's let's not do anything different. Yeah. Or Ghostbusters, for yeah. God's sake. We got death threats over these lady Ghostbusters. So. <laughs> <laughs> but there are indisputably a lot of viewers who wouldn't tolerate more reali- realistic depictions of seniors in love certainly if a commenter who responded to harold and maude through the online culture magazine pajiba is any indicator i've never heard of that and it's I, strange that they use that as a like a representation of is, people online Faji- fajita is that how you say p-a-j-i-b-a i here's the quote uh here's the commenter so so the foundation of the thesis here is an internet commenter notoriously progressive and uh, in keeping with mainstream opinion. Here's the quote, or here's the comment. I love this movie right up until the sex scene. I don't know which is worse, knowing the Holocaust happened or knowing old people have sex. Oh, my God. Hmm. I know which one's worse. Okay, so moving on here. Uh, when older couples are seen, they are rarely, uh, Davis says, they are rarely out of their 60s, and their sexuality is presented as something viewers would find amusing or cute rather than arousing. Aging male actors are often relegated to dirty old men roles, but compared to older actresses, they have more opportunities to play people with active sex lives. It's just that they're usually having sex with younger women. Mm -hmm. The options for aging actresses are largely roles that in no way recognize their sexuality except as something that is faded, or those that depict them as deluded, wannabe sex kittens, fooling themselves about the extent of their sexual attractiveness. I would agree with that. Think Blanche from The Golden Girls or Elizabeth Ashley's Diane in the Todd and Solon's film Happiness. And I'm so glad that they brought up Happiness, which is such a messed up but great movie. Characters like those might have sexual needs, but we're supposed to laugh at them. Do you think it's true about Blanche? On Golden Girls? Yeah. Like, it's they're jokes and stuff, but, like, you're I don't la- think it, we're laughing at the very idea of her being, like, sexual. I think I, you're I, laughing I, with her because she made a good pun, like, most of the yeah, time. Yeah. Like I think she, I think she's meant to be seen as sexy in that show. She, uh, yeah, she was a very confident, powerful woman. She, but she's not, she's not looked that way by the rest. Like they're sort of like put off by that, uh, by that. I mean, by, by the rest of the girls. I can't believe we're talking about Golden Girls. But I, like, I, <laughs> go get you. Rob. Can't believe the three of us are talking about Golden Girls. Rob, go get Molly. She'll have thoughts on this too. Like, I think that they're more just, like, a little put off, not by the idea of her doing that, but the idea that she's so open and outspoken about it. I also think it's just a big gag, like how guys usually will, you know, make fun of people. They're just like, oh, haha, Rose is a slut. And it's like, again, it's a laughing with her thing, not actually making fun of her. 
Yeah, maybe. I, I just think Golden Girls is far more like woke about this kind of thing than the vast <laughs> majority of popular culture. It, it, it is remarkable. It's weird to pick on them. It's remarkably progressive for a mid-80s sitcom. Yeah. yeah. Astonishingly progressive. Some people interpret the lack of sexy senior imagery to mean that sex necessarily stops at some point in life, says Debbie Herbnick, a sexual research scientist at Indiana University. And Hashtag author- marriage. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> and author of Sex Made Easy, Your Awkward Questions Answered for Better, Smarter, Amazing Sex. But it doesn't. A recent study looked at older women whose mean age was 67 and found that 67% of them achieved orgasm almost always or always when they were having sex. What's more, the majority of older women reported enjoying more sexual satisfaction as they aged, and they talked about continuing to be interested in intercourse as a means of fostering intimacy in their relationships, even when desire began to wane. Older women are just better liars. God. (laughs) Do you guys remember, I think it was called The Sunday Night Sex Show with that old woman? Yeah, yes. that was Sue. Sue yeah, Johansson. Yeah, that was a great show. Yeah. That Is was a great on? show. Was it? That was the name of it, wasn't it? The Sunday Night? It was Sue Johansson was for Ta- sure the expert. Ta- it was like just talking sex with Sue Johansson it, or something like it, that. The Sunday Night Sex Show was a live call on yeah. Canadian television show. Yeah, Sunday Night Sex Show. Yep. Uh, was it Sue Johansson? Did I nail that? 1996 yeah. to 2005. Yeah, that was a good mm-hmm. show. I was there for those college years for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that, that wasn't at all weird. <laughs> all right. We're almost we're, we're in the home stretch here. And this comes back to something Duff referenced earlier. To be fair. And by the way, does that stat surprise you guys? That's that two thirds of women that were of this older demographic almost always or always uh, had achieved uh, orgasm during sex. Achieved. I knew yeah, I seems... I knew that old people like to bone a lot. <laughs> I've I've seen articles They're about like Mary that. Mary <laughs> But I mean, it does make sense that the older you get, the better you are at stuff, and the more you know your body. Go on. Uh, <laughs> Tell us about that your number body, seems though. astronomically high to me. That's my answer. <laughs> telling. That's telling yeah. that you said. That. Yeah. Uh, to be fair. Hollywood has made how many of them had dementia that's my question (laughs) oh my god they couldn't remember and someone and the partners told them they had an orgasm like oh okay (laughs) Jesus Christ guys Uh, 70% were gaslit (laughs) oh my god so I want I want to post you've been remarkably restrained during this reading Duff I was, given your titanic comments so i want to pro- I, this kind of will get get you going then i want to propose the question is it just that hollywood is bad at sex in general yes yes because yes. like 90 percent of the time i'll see a sex scene and like me and my wife be like oh that, look, that looks like a lot of work that does <laughs> that like how do the physics of that even work that that's impossible and if you look at, against you, like, the wall, <laughs> come on. But if you listen to, like LGBT communities, like that's a big issue too, where like just how unrealistic and and not anything like sex that sex is even portrayed as. Yeah. So I I think that the first part of it is that any sex whatsoever is just 
might as well be written by 13 year old boys who've never had sex because that's basically how 90 percent of sex is in movies so even if they did have more sex with old people it would just be nuts (laughs) it would just so many bubbles blown oh god to be fair hollywood has made some notable progress in recent years We've been seeing movies that involve older characters and specifically older female characters that seems to still have an active sex life, Herbnick says. Never Again, from 2001, for instance, is a comedy starring Jill Clayburgh and Jeffrey Tambor. Noted good guy. Yeah. <laughs> it's an editorial comedy. See how there. well this ages. As yeah. 50-something New Yorkers who find romance and sex after meeting in a gay bar. Two popular films from Nancy Myers, Something's Gotta Give... Uh, from 2003 and it's complicated from 09 revolve around the amorous entanglements of people old enough to be retired and the latter Meryl Streep plays an older divorcee who's sleeping with her married ex-husband Jake while being courted by the architect who is redoing their kitchen or her kitchen excuse me that two men found a six-year-old woman sexually attractive and competing for her was something that was very appealing to an over 40 female audience Dirk says Streep also played a sexually active older woman involved with two men in Adaptation, uh, one of my favorite movies. Uh, and in the five-year engagement, which came out in April, there's a moment in which the leading man's mother's vaginal rejuvenation surgery <laughs> is referenced. Mm. I wouldn't want to suggest that more women should be getting that surgery. We do research on that topic, and it's quite a complex issue, says Herpnick. But that scene provides a hint, quote, that sex doesn't die just because we get older or our bodies change. Any thoughts on that surgery? Should people get it, guys? You got to take on that. I, I have no thoughts on that surgery. I, I don't it sounds totally. like a, uh, It sounds like the name of a spa area. Didn't the FDA just say that you couldn't claim benefits for that? Didn't Goop get in trouble? Or was that for the, the eggs? Well, if Goop says it's a good idea, then that's how we know it's a bad idea. <laughs> Nonetheless, Hollywood still has a long way to go. Enough with the constant references to Viagra, says Davis, who's also sick of all the jokes about adult diapers. (laughs) (laughs) Come on, those are so funny. (laughs) Oops, I crapped my pants. Yeah, it really depends. (laughs) She wishes filmmakers would show an older character massaging his partner's arthritic hands. Mm. Duff, you want more of that? I don't want any. I don't want hand sex. No, none There's, of that. Sounds like there needs to be a a, a, a movie called On Golden Bed. <laughs> so, I will tell the story of the first time I saw Harold and Maude, and I remembered very little about this movie, but I I, I did remember watching this with uh, some of my friends. I must have been sixteen or seventeen, and. Uh, I remember about halfway through the movie we were watching and all of a sudden I think I said out loud I'm like are they gonna f- they're gonna f- aren't they oh my God. and then once I was proven right I'm like oh this is awful <laughs> yeah it's yep not much has changed since then from you huh <laughs> oh I uh she wishes filmmakers would show an older character massaging his partner's arthritic hands or a senior couple making love gingerly so as not to aggravate a sore knee or hip. All to be redheads. <laughs> Jesus. I would like to see more longing, more interest and desire. This writer is very a- lonely, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, this was the, they're talking to the person they were quoting. To be fair. Okay. Well, this person is lonely too. <laughs> I would like to see more longing, more interest and desire, even if it goes unfulfilled. She says, "I'd like to see grieving over loss of a partner, not only for the companionship, but for the sex." I'd like to see conversations about how sex isn't the only thing that changes, but that intimacy does, and that how we feel about our bodies and what we expect them to do changes. Performance may be less important for some people. Closeness may be more important. So, like, (laughs) I'm just imagining someone being like, dude, man, sorry about your dad. Yeah, you know, he was older. How's your mom? How's your mom? She's okay. She just really misses his dick. (laughs) Yeah, she's she's just like, ugh. I really need a plumber. <laughs> oh, what's wrong? Your is there like your s- problem with your sink? No, I'm just lacking in pipe these days. Yeah, <laughs> uh, that's what I want. You you get a call. Oh, Nana got it wet. Go way to go, Nana. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I'm not editing this. Way to go, Nana. <laughs> Performance does matter, however, especially in Tinseltown where sex of all kinds is often portrayed unrealistically. Writing recently in the New York Review of Books about the sex lives of the 20-somethings who figure in the new television show Girls, Elaine Blair pointed out that Hollywood sex scenes are not typically interested in even hinting at the ways that people actually reach orgasm, and this is disheartening above all for female viewers who develop a certain melancholy by the time that they have seen their 1,000th sex scene in which it is taken for granted that by sex... We mean mutually rapturous, face-to-face vaginal intercourse. Unfortunately, the problem worsens with age. Orgasms for older women are joked about, but not really portrayed, Dirk says. They weren't really portrayed in Harold and Maude either. There's just that one blowing bubbles in bed scene. But surely, shortly before that moment, Maude told Harold exactly what he could do to make her happy. Because that's just one more thing that makes older women sexy. It's not just the world and their young lovers that they're wise about. It's also their bodies themselves. There you go. That's our, our uh, not really the dark web because it's from the Atlantic, but it's our tales from the web for this week. Lonely. Uh, the, final thoughts, the guys. The dark web. <laughs> uh, I. So, Duff, but you, you, your claim to fame is how disgusted you were by old Rose and Titanic. So... This could be an opportunity for you to to maybe mitigate that to some extent with, with takes about uh, senior citizen sex. Or perhaps you're going to double down <laughs> and say that they're disgusting and should never be in movies. Uh, okay. I'm gathering a thousand thoughts swimming around my head. <laughs> well, you're still young enough to be able to do that. So I guess first, I think there's two different things. I don't necessarily disagree with this article in that I think uh, we do a pretty terrible job of uh, caring for the elderly in this country, and part of that is emotional fulfillment, and I am glad that, again, I've seen articles talking about how nursing home sex is a thing, uh, and that that sometimes staff don't really know how to deal with it because nursing nursing homes are generally really poorly run if not there are dirty petri dishes full of stds and again it's not the fault of the staff or anything it's more of a societal construct that 
we just kind of stuff old people away and then pay someone $12 an hour to stand there. Yeah. Um, so I, I am glad and I applaud this article for talking about that. Uh, the second part of that, I don't want to watch it. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, but to really back that up, though, I've gotten to. But okay, but, but why? Be- why though? Because, because like, don't you just do you like watching love stories? I like film. Here, it's gotten to the point where I like watching love stories, but and I know Rob's about to flip out. Dude, but like, it's a lot of the times, like the sex scenes will come on. And even if it's tastefully done, it'll almost ruin it because it's all—it's usually just so out of sorts with the rest of the movie and real life. So, like, the, like I've seen it so many times that there'll be a pretty realistic movie or love story, and then it'll get to a sex scene that is just, again, like it was written by a 13-year-old boy, and it, it takes me out of it. Yeah, so anyways, Harold the Mod, huh, guys? Yeah. Something else. So I think uh, let's let's talk about what we're going to go into next week. Yeah, we're going to go with two films. We kind of couldn't decide which of these two to do, and chances are if you've seen one, you've seen the other. Uh, I guarantee you have. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to go. We're gonna if go you were of some... a certain age in the 90s, yes. there was, they were inescapable. Yes, so if uh, we're looking at some uh, Generation X fail sons, we're going to talk about Tommy Boy and Billy Madison. I can't wait. Absolutely Good cannot wait. times. Yeah, that would be super fun. If you tell them how to get in touch with us, Rob, and then yeah, we'll catch uh, we, we have our website, afreepodcast.com, and from there you can uh, go to our Facebook page. That's facebook.com slash afreepodcast. Uh, also, we have a listener group. You could join that at... Uh, uh, it's called Freeloaders, listeners of a free podcast. You can find that through the website, but also at uh, afreepodcast.com slash freeloaders. And I'm the one who will ask you this. Rate and review us on iTunes. Let us know what you think. Um, and uh, we'll be back next week with uh, a double feature. Double feature.